You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers now going on our sixth season, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now we're heading into our fourth season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, I hope that you enjoyed yesterday's episode talking about all of the Chargers coaching candidates in the playoffs. We have some different stuff for you guys today because we are going to do a voicemail show and let you guys get your voices on the show. But first, let me just thank everyone who is checking out the show for the first time. We always get calls and messages saying that people just checked us out. And I just want to really just send a thank you to everyone who is giving us a chance. We appreciate it. And we also appreciate all of our loyal fans as well. But we have a very Charger-centric show for you guys today because in our voicemail segments, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about maybe some replacements for Tom Telesco if he isn't around in 2021. Maybe some alternate picks for the Chargers in the first round of the draft if offensive line's not available. We'll also talk about the history of compensatory picks and the, the Chargers having one and how those work as well as much more in the voicemails. But we're going to start the show today by talking about some big NFL news because Doug Peterson was fired from the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's only surprising somewhat because there had been reports that he was going to stay with the Eagles next season. But the end of their season was obviously a calamity. So we'll talk about not only, you know, do we like Doug Peterson as the Chargers next head coach, but also could the Eagles be a job that attracts some other Chargers targets away from the Chargers job and into Philadelphia. So a lot to get into. Let's get into it. The Philadelphia Eagles have relieved... Doug Peterson of his duties as the head coach of the football team and this is something that is very big in charger circles right now only because this is a guy that now hits the coaching candidate market who has won a Super Bowl and I think that's obviously something that is very attractive you get a guy that has experience as a head coach you have a guy that has playoff experience and a Super Bowl win over the Patriots but it doesn't seem like many people are really that interested in Doug Peterson. I do think he could be a hot commodity, but I do think there's a lot of teams that are leaning towards some of the young offensive and defensive minds in the NFL. So, David, obviously this was something we weren't necessarily expecting to see or a guy that we thought would be in the Chargers coaching search. What do you think about the Chargers fit with Doug Peterson? I mean, looking at his entire body of work, I mean, Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach. And, you know, he had Carson Wentz, who had a phenomenal year in 2017. Uh, but, you know, he got hurt and he had to do it with a backup quarterback uh, in Nick Foles. And he was able to, you know, perform in the playoffs and, and get it done in the Super Bowl and get Philadelphia their first championship in, in their team's history. So you can't discount that. He also had three other playoff appearances as the coach of the Eagles. So, I mean, he did fairly well during his tenure as the coach, except for this year. I mean, this year was completely different. I mean, they just fell flat on their face. It's just a little weird to me how, uh, you know, they would have so much success and they just had such a gigantic fall. I just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, when reading the articles about the conversations between Jeff Lurie and Doug Peterson, it, it seems like, 
He just didn't have a vision for the future and how to fix the problems that, you know, the 2020 Eagles were faced with. Someone who doesn't have a vision who would potentially get get handed the keys to one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now doesn't give me a very good feeling. So for that and many other reasons, uh, like, you know, supposed reports of issues in the locker room, I don't know if I want anything to do with Doug Peterson. One, if there are issues in the locker room, a lot of that has to do with him benching his starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts, in the final game of the season and looking like he was just openly tanking for a better draft pick. They ended up putting in Nate Sudfeld, that quarterback, after Jalen Hurts missed a couple of easy throws, but the Eagles were very much still in the game at the time, and that definitely caused some unrest with the players, kind of just being like, what the hell were you doing? What the hell were you thinking? How can you tell us? Not just players in his organization either. Like, players from all over the league were looking at that like, what in the hell are they doing there? Like, it's like disrespectful to the game of football. You go out there and you try to win. Like, Joe Judge uh, also had some comments about it. He's like, hey, it's disrespectful, you know, to go out there and not do everything you can to try to win a football game. I tend to agree. I don't care what the situation is. Yeah, it seems really weird that he would do that to his players. And obviously, Joe Judge uh, had a lot to lose with that game because if they had won, the Giants would have made the playoffs. But obviously, hey, win more games than you're in and you're not waiting to see if some other team loses. But yes, I mean, you cannot openly tank like that. And he swears up and down. That's not what he was doing. But it just didn't really make any sense. You have a young quarterback after you've benched Carson Wentz. He's looking pretty good this season. I think better than most people expected. Had a lot of success with the Eagles offense during his short tenure as the starting quarterback. And then you bench him in the last game of the season because you want to see Sudfeld. I mean, it just didn't really make any sense. So he's not high on my list, mostly just because if you look at what he is known for, his offense, it hasn't been good outside of that 2017 season. I mean, they were third in points that year, seventh in yards. Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate before he ended up getting hurt. But then you look after that with, you know, a lot of the same players, they dealt with a lot of injuries, just like the Chargers did, but 18th in points in 2018, 12th in points 2019, 26th in 2020. And the yardage in those years, he never ranked higher than 14th. So he's been pretty middle of the road as far as his offense. And I think that, you know, the distrust with the GM and the owner and them not bringing in any skill talent and all of those things kind of erupted in a very bad way this season. It was obviously not a good relationship. Ian Rappaport reported that sources in the Eagles said that Doug Peterson was tired of being told what to do around the Eagles organization. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff flying around. It's hard to kind of parse whose fault it is that the Eagles have fallen apart so much over the last few seasons, but definitely interesting. And the other thing that it brings up is, could the Eagles potentially poach one of the Chargers coaching candidates? And the reason I bring that up is if you look at betonline.ag, the third most likely coach at 9-2 to two to get Brian Dable. And if you look at who the Chargers' next head coach is going to be, according to betonline.ag, they have Doug Peterson as 3-1. to one. The only more likely team is the New York Jets. So I think this is very much related to the Chargers. But when you look at the Eagles' next head coach, they could be trying to bring in someone that the Chargers potentially want, David. And then it's just, is that job better than the one you would get in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, you think you, you look at Carson Wentz and, you know, look at his career with the Philadelphia Eagles. 
It's not terrible. I mean, his first year was, you know, rookie season, 16 and 14 TD to interception ratio. But then he cleans it up quite a bit. I mean, he goes 33, 21, 27 with only seven interceptions in each of those seasons. Uh, so, I mean, Carson Wentz has some talent. In, in 2020, he just regressed at a level that we haven't really seen very much. I mean, 2,620 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. Uh, I mean, he never had a rating that was under 89.2, and last year was 72.8. So you have to think, hey, can Carson Wentz turn this around? Can he correct the interception issues? Can he get a coach that's going to be able to work you know, towards his strengths? I mean, you look at him, Carson Wentz is a big guy, six foot five you know, 240 or so pounds. He has some mobility as well. Brian Dable had that with Josh Allen. So, you know, you can't help but make some connections. Also, Brian Dable and the general manager of the Eagles has the same agent. So there's some connections there as well. So, yeah, you have to be a little bit scared. But as far as who has the more desirable job, I mean, it has to be the Chargers still. I mean, the Chargers have a rookie, quor- uh, a young quarterback that's on a controllable contract with a lot of skill position players on both sides of the football. I mean, I think you can make a couple of tweaks, add a couple of players, and really make a pretty quick turnaround if you're taking the Chargers job over the Eagles, I think there's a lot more things to fix and a lot more things that you have to get right going forward to make that a successful team. Yeah, and I think more than that, the Eagles are not in a good salary cap position. I mean, the additions that they've made over the last couple of years have not been good and have really tied them up financially, whether it's you know giving guys contracts that made the Super Bowl run or just you know, signing Alshon Jeffrey and having that experiment really fail. I mean, there's a lot of bad signings and not a lot of space to kind of fix it with. And I think that who knows if the next coach even wants Carson Wentz, right? Maybe the next guy wants Jalen Hurts. I mean, just the uncertainty of what you're going to get in that, you know, situation, I think is another thing that would lead you to want the Chargers job over that. I mean, especially because the Chargers have a younger roster. The Chargers have more cast space. They have a, you know, pretty sure thing at quarterback or at least as sure as you can be after one season in Justin Herbert. And I don't know if you could, you know, really say right now with any kind of certainty that Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz are that guy. But I think the other thing is, is seeing the, you know, trajectory that Carson Wentz was on. Obviously, I'm sure injuries played a huge factor in what we're seeing now as far as his regressions but some of it doesn't seem to be injury related either so do you want Doug Peterson around your young quarterback that you're trying to mold into one of you know the top 10 guys top five guys in the NFL because it looks like he has that ceiling so I think it's a pretty messy situation the fact that the Chargers are one of the favorites to land Doug Peterson and that the Eagles are one of the favorites to to land Brian Dable are two things that we'll have to keep monitoring going forward because this could definitely have an impact on how the Chargers head coaching search ends up going. But we do have two more segments to get into because we are getting into our voicemails today. So thank you guys for calling into that. We're going to be talking about Pep Hamilton. We're going to be talking about Tom Telesco and much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that our official betting sponsor with the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. You guys can bet on, you know, who the next Chargers head coach is going to be. We have playoffs going on right now. There's only so many more weeks you guys can bet on football. So if you guys haven't yet, make sure to go get some free money from BetOnline.com. 
Ag and get in the action over these next couple of weekends because it's only going to add more to your game day experience. I can promise you that. There's only one place that we trust and the only one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. If you guys sign up today for a free account, you guys can use the promo code Locked On, all caps, one word, for your 50% welcome bonus. That's free money to bet on sports, guys. Just have to use that promo code Locked On, all caps, one word, for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, well, it's time to get into our voicemail caller. So today, before we get started, I just want to tell you guys that if you guys want to get your voices on the show, you guys can call in. The number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get as many Chargers voicemails on the show as possible. We have a bunch more good ones to get into today. We're going to talk about Tom Telesco and potentially some replacements there. We're going to talk about how compensatory picks work and much more, but we're going to start with Kartik from Toronto calling in. Let's see what he has for us. Hey guys, this is Kartik from Toronto calling in. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you for a fantastic 2020 season. You know, listening to you guys on my way to work uh, was, you know, really the highlight of my morning and every day. And, you know, just great job all around. There's not enough words to describe what you guys do and really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to ask two questions. My first one would be, how would you evaluate uh, GM candidates if Telesco was to be gone after the 2021 season and who would be your prime candidates and number two would be if for a you know weird stroke of luck we don't get Christian Derrissaw or Ray Sean Slater or an offensive lineman we like who else would you kind of like for them to pick at number 13 I know some people have kind of suggested Kyle Pitts the tight end from Florida but just wanted to get your opinion uh, once again thanks for everything this year and uh, looking forward to a great 2021 and happy new year thanks guys bye so first, let me just start off by saying I appreciate you calling and thank you for you know making us part of your day. We always appreciate hearing things like that. But Tom Telesco, there's a really real chance that he's not the general manager after the 2020 season. I mean, if he brings in a new coach, it doesn't get off to a hot start. I mean, the fingers are going to start to go towards him probably before they go to whoever the new head coach is, if they shouldn't have already been on him going into this head coaching search. But the one thing about GMs is it's a lot harder to figure out who the guys are that people are actually looking at. It's not like, you know, offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators for when you're looking for a head coach. It's it, They can come from all different parts of different organizations. They're not always just assistant general managers places. But for me, when you're talking about the draft, I think if both of those guys, both of the, you know, top tier offensive tackle prospects are off the board and Darisaw and Slater, I mean, that also means somebody's going to have to slide. So I think that there are be, there would be other guys that you could go after that would probably slide, like Quiddy Pay. If you want to go edge defender, you could also see potentially someone like Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan, both cornerbacks drop. I think it has a lot to do with what the need would be at that point. I've seen a lot of people going Kyle Pitts in that scenario as well. David, what do you think going back to the general manager thing? Obviously, I don't think either of us feels that Tom Telesco's job is totally safe after the 2021 season, but obviously that is something we'll have to look into more as far as potential GM candidates down the road once that move happens. Yeah, now I'm going to preface preface this by saying, I mean, getting information on potential general manager candidates is not easy. <laughs> it is really difficult, but I think it goes back to just the core concept of winning organizations have winning people. 
And for me, I mean, there's you know no more example of a winning organization than the Kansas City Chiefs. So I look at some of their people in their front office, and one guy kind of stands out. His name's Mike Borgonzi. This information came from ProFootballNetwork.com. Mike Borgonzi was the chief director of football operations. He spent 11 years as a scout, so he's done the dirty work uh, on the player scouting side. He has been promoted six times in 10 years, so he's incredibly bright. Obviously a very hard worker and an asset to a winning organization also has had his hand in working with the draft and the chiefs have drafted particularly well the last several years. And he's also worked with Brett Veach and Chris Ballard. I mean, the current general manager of the Kansas city chiefs and the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. So he has some great experience. He comes from a winning organization. I think he's primed and ready to be a general manager. If the chargers choose to move on from Tom Telesco. Yeah, and I'd like the Chargers to, you know, kind of go out of the box a little bit. I know that Lewis Riddick is a guy that's been kind of hot in GM searches so far, and he's obviously part of ESPN. Obviously, there's guys like Daniel Jeremiah that kind of look at it from afar and know a lot about football and know some about scouting as well. I mean, hell, throw Mina Kimes an interview. I think she's one of the most knowledgeable football people that I've heard talk about the sport, but I don't know that these people would necessarily be in line for a general manager position, but it would be cool for the Chargers to think a little bit out of the box if they do end up deciding to move on from Telesco. But let's get into the next one here. We have Ryan from Huntington Beach who has a question about compensatory picks. Hey, fellas, this is Ryan calling from Huntington Beach. I had a question about compensatory picks. Um, I noticed that every year the Patriots have some and the Chargers never do. Are the Chargers due for any next year, and how does a team get these, actually? Thanks a lot, guys. Bolt up. So compensatory picks are a little confusing. I mean, I definitely, you know, a couple of years ago didn't know what compensatory picks were or how they worked or why the Patriots always had so many of them. But basically what it is is it's when you lose big free agents to other teams. So this year the Chargers have a third-round compensatory pick because they lost Phillip Rivers. And really it is kind of a sum of all of the parts as far as all the transactions you made. So if the Chargers signed, you know, a guy for $20 million per season this year, they might not be getting a compensatory pick. But basically... Melvin Gordon leaving the Chargers in free agency and a couple of their other smaller guys kind of canceled out the other mid-level signings that they had on guys like Brian Bulaga and Chris Harris Jr. And the one that stood out was Phillip Rivers. So the Chargers ended up getting a third round pick for that. But the Patriots, pretty simple. The reason they have so many compensatory picks is they're really good at kind of working the system. They picked up guys on waivers who they've ended up releasing at the end of the season and they have a good time with the Patriots and, you know, put up some really good stats and then leave and sign big contracts somewhere else. I mean, we've seen that a lot of times with, you know, Jamie Collins, even Trey Flowers, guys like that, that they Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy is one of the latest ones. They end up leaving the Patriots. And then once they do, they sign big contracts and the Patriots get compensatory picks. I mean, I remember when they signed Michael Floyd and ended up, I'm pretty sure they got a compensatory pick from that, even though that wasn't a guy that they drafted. And he wasn't even on the team or really made an impact for the team at all. But that's the main reason why they ended up having so much more. But we're going a little long on time already, so let's get to the last voicemail of this segment. We have Zach from Florida calling in. Let's hear what Superfan Zach has for us. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So I had a question for you guys about skill positions in the draft. So I know we don't need a QB, and I don't think with the addition of Guyton and Johnson that we need a wide receiver. But what do you think about trying to draft another running back 
and another tight end. As far as running back goes, I think it might be time to let go of Justin Jackson. Not through any fault of his own, but injuries have definitely taken a hit on him. As well as I think it might be time to move on from Balazs. Nothing personal, it's just that's what I feel. And then as far as tight end, Steven Anderson definitely has shown up in the absence of Hunter Henry and you still have Parham, but I just wasn't sure if you think we should get another tight end for lining up alongside Hunter Henry if we do resign him, which I do think we should. So again, wanted to get your thoughts on possibly drafting a running back or tight end in this draft and bolt up. So this is interesting because obviously, you know, we will be getting into our draft prep here pretty soon. We haven't done a ton of research or watched a lot of tape on a lot of guys yet just because we've been so caught up looking at new coaches and things like that and watching tape on those guys and all that. And we have plenty of time to get into draft stuff. But I think this is more a question of need for the Chargers. So, David, when you look at the Chargers roster right now, he's saying, you know, release Justin Jackson, move on from Kalen Balaj, and then also tight end being a couple of positions that he would maybe attack in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind getting rid of Justin Jackson, although he's not very expensive. He's on, on a, a very cheap rookie deal because he was a late-round pick, and he's only going to be making like $900,000 this next season. So I know he's had his injury issues, but when he's on the field, he is productive. And also, as you've as we've talked about many times, Daniel, I mean, you can find value for running backs in the undrafted free agency rank. I mean, they do it every single year. I mean, hello, Austin Eckler. I mean, that's a undrafted free agent running back who is one of the better you know running back hybrid running backs in the NFL. Um, and as far as tight end, I wouldn't mind get, grabbing another tight end. I mean, Virgil Green's on the, the wrong side of 30. He's uh, been in the league for a long time, coming off of an injury. Hunter Henry, you don't know what's going to happen there. I would imagine they're going to try to re-sign him, but we don't know that. You don't really know what you have in Donald Parham, Steven Anderson, some lesser-known guys. So I wouldn't mind adding some talent in the later rounds of the draft uh, as far as a tight end is concerned. I mean, I like that strategy. It's hard for me to get behind the Chargers drafting running backs because when you think of the running backs they have drafted, I mean, it's been Joshua Kelly, it's been Justin Jackson, it's trading up for Melvin Gordon. I mean, those picks haven't recently worked out for the Chargers. And then you see guys like James Robinson with the Jacksonville Jaguars going undrafted. And he's the guy that I liked as like a late round target for the Chargers last season. And let me be clear, I mean, at the time I didn't hate the Joshua Kelly pick, but this is an of evolving situation I mean if you're not learning from you know some of the things that you've said in the past and the kind of the way that you've looked at things I mean how are you supposed to change so I think that it's hard to think about you know drafting even in the middle rounds for a running back right now just because even Kalen Balazs came in and played fine Austin Eckler is an undrafted free agent and he's the best running back you have on the team I just think you can find talent at that position somewhere else and not have to pay a guy or even use a draft pick on a guy unless that guy is truly a difference maker and the guys that they've drafted it's hard to say that's what they are so I think Justin Jackson it's hard to always wonder with him is he worth bringing back obviously he's very cheap but if he's going to be injured the whole year what are you really getting out of it but at this point I mean they might as well try to get something out of that cheap contract unless somebody goes and takes that job away from him going into the season but we do have a few more voicemails to get into we're going to talk about 
Pep Hamilton is potentially the Chargers head coach or even offensive coordinator and much more coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that one of the most frustrating things in the world for me is when something goes wrong with my car. And even when I know what's wrong with my car and the part that I need, trying to go get it, trying to talk to whoever I need to talk to out of chain store about it it's so hard for me to explain so for me there's only one place i use when i need a part for my car and that is rockauto.com they are the only place that i trust and the thing about them is that they will just deliver whatever you need right to your house you don't have to go searching for the part that you need you can go to rockauto.com they make it super easy to type in what type of car you have the exact part that you need and the best part is is you're going to get it at the cheapest price as well because they don't give discounts if you're a mechanic or something like that. It's the same price for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so there's no better place to go for any kind of auto car parts. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts of your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, well, it's time to get into the back half of these voicemails. We have three more to get into today, but if you guys want to get in on the show, the number is 323-524-7924 to get your voicemail on the show. We are going to start with John from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We have a Tennessee caller calling in today, so that's definitely exciting. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey guys, uh, this is John from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I uh, just started kind of following along with you guys and uh, really enjoying the show. So uh, thanks for all the work you guys have been doing. Um, I was curious to get your guys' perspective on the potential to promote uh, Pep Hamilton to head coach and uh, just kind of see what you guys thought. Uh, when he was over with the D.C. Defenders, I really followed them closely and, and was really interested to kind of see what he was doing over there. So uh, just let me know. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. So this is a tough one because I do think that Pep Hamilton, when you look at what he's been able to do in a vacuum, depending on how much credit you want to give him for Justin Herbert's development, for a guy to do such a good job with him and also have the history of doing well with Andrew Luck, it is surprising that his name isn't getting a little bit more buzz. As a guy that's internal to the Chargers, you would think you would at least get a crack at potentially interviewing for the head coaching job, but it is kind of weird that he hasn't gotten a little bit more buzz. Maybe if he was the offensive coordinator, he would have got some more. But, David, what would you think about that, potentially interviewing Pep Hamilton as a head coaching candidate? I mean, any guy that can make Cardell Jones look like a serviceable quarterback, even if it is in the XFL, deserves some kind of recognition, okay? So, uh, as far as him being a head coaching candidate, I, I think that's a little bit too much of a promotion. I know that he's had some head coaching experience in, in the past, but I do like what he's done with, with Justin Herbert, but I'd like to see him actually run the offense. You know, if it's not going to be a Brian Dable or if it's going to be a defensive head coach or something along those lines, I wouldn't mind bringing him in as, as an offensive coordinator. I don't know if I'm quite ready to commit to him being a head coach. I mean, given, give him an interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. See what his vision is. See what, you know, he thinks he needs to, to do to change this organization and turn them into a winning organization. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with entertaining an, an interview, but I don't know if I want to go straight to head coach right away. And we'll get more into Pep as the offensive coordinator, potentially, with the Chargers later on, too. But 
I do think it's one of those things where you wish that he had, you know, head coaching experience, or if not, you have seen him successfully run an offense recently. And he has been the offensive coordinator before for the Indianapolis Colts, so he does have some time there. But without really knowing what his offensive philosophies would be at this point, and only being able to go off what you've seen, you know, with the Washington Defenders or in his time with Andrew Luck on the Colts, it's hard to say if you would want whatever his offense is that he has in mind. But obviously, he's done such a great job with Justin Herbert. You want to be able to keep those two guys together without you know getting a lot of differing opinions in there and, and kind of messing him up in that sense. But I do think it is an interesting conversation. I am surprised there's not more buzz for him potentially as a head coach, and I think maybe even as an offensive coordinator soon if another team wants to kind of elevate his status to that if the Chargers do not. But let's get into the next voicemail. This one's Curtis Loki. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, guys. It's Curtis Loki. Um, just calling with a quick question. I was curious if uh, your guys' minds have changed at all about any of the potential um, coordinators uh, such as uh, Dable, or I, I forgot the gentleman's name, but who, the defensive coordinator for the Rams, or even uh, the defensive coordinator for the Niners. I wonder if any of your opinions had changed after these uh, past playoff games. Um, I did want to point out something I've really noticed, and maybe it was because of um, Anthony Lynn as the head coach or uh, the defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, but man, I just feel like some of these teams in the playoffs just have a completely different gear to them as aggressively as, as aggressive as they play at the speed of the game which they play seems so much more intense and I realize that it's a playoff game and that brings the intensity out of these players but you know I'm curious if if, if going after you know Brian Dable is and say we go we get him if that's the way to go or a defensive minded coach is that the way to go I mean I look at some of these defensive coordinators and they have incredible talent on their team as well as offensive coordinators. So it, it kind of makes it hard to assume which one would be most beneficial for our team. But I'm just curious if, based on the games that you've seen um, this past weekend, have you have you changed your mind about any of those coordinators? And then also I wanted to add, um, would you guys ever do a series where maybe once a week you guys would have a fan on that kind of talk to you guys and, you know, maybe just for about five, ten minutes, you know, ask you guys a series of questions that you can ask, you could then ask and maybe questions you can ask them. Anyway, I love the show. As always, go both. So obviously this was sent in before we did our show. That was basically all about how those playoff performances by the Chargers coaching candidates and the guys they're interviewing or going to interview did in the playoffs. So we don't have to focus on that too much, but I do think that we kind of all came to the, you know, decision that yes I mean there are some things that maybe confirm something you already know or that you were already worried about in the case of Arthur Smith it's like what can you do if Derrick Henry isn't having a good game and he's had games where he's been able to overcome that but in the playoffs he obviously wasn't able to do that so the one thing I do want to get you though is potentially having a fan on every week I think that is something that is a pretty interesting conversation because I think that it's similar to what we're doing now with the voicemails but obviously a little different I don't know if we would have it weekly, but it's definitely something I would be looking forward to trying on the show and having somebody come on and talk with us for a little bit. I mean, Lord knows the offseason is going to be a long time before we get the Chargers football back. So we'll definitely have some space where we could potentially do something like that. But going back to the point here about offensive and defensive coordinators, yes, there is, you know, times where it's hard to kind of parse, okay, 
is this guy a really good offensive coordinator or does he just have a ton of talent? So that's why it's so impressive what you see with someone like Robert Sala, David, just because you're seeing a not very talented defense with guys banged up all over the field out there and still performing pretty well. So it's like, in that case, it's like, okay, I can tell that the coaching is doing something. With Brian Dable, you have Stephon Diggs, you have you know Josh Allen, but Josh Allen wasn't even necessarily a weapon two years ago that you would put in the positive category. So obviously that does play a factor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, talent plays a factor in the conversation, but you have to be able to weaponize that talent too. I mean, we've seen some phenomenally talented Chargers teams. I mean, teams that number one offense, number one defense, and still miss the playoffs. I mean, it doesn't matter about the talent. It's how you how can you use that talent to win football games, and how can you make adjustments if people are making adjustments to you uh, to help you win football games. And we've seen these coaches, these coordinators make adjustments, some of them better than others, to where they've helped them to help their teams win football games. I mean, that's what I'm looking for more than anything else is when you have, uh, you know, less than ideal circumstances, whether that be injuries or whether you have something that's didn't that didn't work at first. How are you able to make those adjustments to win win yourself that football game? I mean, that's what I'm looking at more than anything else. Yeah, and when you're coming, you know, from coaches that didn't necessarily make a lot of adjustments, it's easy to kind of look for that and be like, hey, that's what we need. And I think a lot of these coaches are very good at that. But I do like, you know, some of the defensive guys out there. If you look at the playoffs, most of these guys are offensive coordinators, offensive minds. I mean, David, we're talking about before the show, I think six out of eight of the head coaches come from offensive backgrounds. So that is the thing to do right now. But when you're talking about offenses or defensive coordinator and which one you prefer, I think it's more just about the guy. But if you are going to get a defensive coordinator, you better have a good offensive mind. And I think that's what Ivan from Victorville was saying. Let's hear what he has for us. Hey, fellas, it's Ivan out of Victorville calling in. It's been quite some time since I've been on there. Uh, real quick, I just want to say I was listening to the Guilty at Charge podcast. Heard you guys' little skits at the head coaches. That was pretty fun, pretty funny. Uh <clears throat> Maybe you guys could do that some years for placing clips. Uh, I got a kick out of it. Uh, now, uh, I just want to talk about the candidates. Um, I think uh, the Bills OC, uh, probably front runner. Uh, I think that'll be a good fit overall. Uh, I like Salah. Is that his name? Yeah, the Niners guy. Uh, I think he could do wonders for our defense. Uh, but, I mean, just being that we have Herbert, I think we want to go offensive coordinator uh but if Salah he if they offered him he's, he's willing to come out here I mean he could bring a good um OC or maybe Pep you know give Pep a give him a shot you know uh also I like the younger guys and I like uh the the I like the two younger guys Brady and um uh what's his name the the Rams guy I like, I like the youngness. I know that there's some questions like, oh, if they could command the locker room. At the end of the day, they're at the pro level, you know, doing their thing. So as long as they come in and, you know, with the right mindset, the right attitude, they, the, the players start seeing results. I mean, there's no question they'll fall in line. <clears throat> but I like those two guys. What do you guys think? Also, um, who do you guys think we're going to pick up in the draft, man, now that everything's kind of falling into place? I appreciate the love for the crossover with guilty as charged and chargers brawl and chargers chat pod. That was a really fun thing for me and John Kegley to get to do. I know David really wanted to do it, but he had work that morning. 
But I, it was fun. I definitely am keeping the door open on doing stuff like that down the road with those guys. It was nice. Nobody took it too seriously. Maybe I take the most seriously, but I got Arthur Smith, so I don't know if that really counts. He's not a, a very exciting guy. But getting back to the voicemail, I like Dable. I like Sala, but I do think it's an interesting point about if they go a defensive head coach, which you want to keep potentially Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator. And I think it's interesting because, we, like I said, you don't know exactly what offense Pep Hamilton wants to run, but you would get that continuity with Justin Herbert. And when he was an offensive coordinator, I mean – he was pretty good for Indianapolis. I mean, they were sixth in points in 2014. They were 14th in points in 2013 in his first season as the offensive coordinator. And then all of his numbers dropped dramatically in 2015. But Andrew Luck also missed nine games that season. So it's something that he has experience in doing. It's something I would keep the door open to. And I think it's going to really have to do with if that defensive guy wants to bring in somebody of his own, right, and bring in staff that he knows to run the offense that's maybe more like what Kyle Shanahan does because he might be taking some offensive assistance from there, David. But I would definitely be open to potentially Pep Hamilton for OC. I absolutely would be open to it, and it's because there's been a lot of turnover in Justin Herbert's career. I mean, as a professional and as a as a as a college football player, I mean, he had a different coach, a, a different head coach, a different offensive coordinator pretty much every single year. There hasn't been any consistent voices in his year to help aid his development. It's just been so many different people. And continuity, I think, is extremely important. I mean, you know, it's important on the offensive line. It's in, important in the front offices that succeed. It's also important with a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback, a guy you obviously have already seen some great results with. I'd like to continue that relationship going forward. Keep some continuity for Justin Herbert. And going back to what you were saying, just about liking the young guys, the guys like Joe Brady. And I think the guy you're talking about is Brandon Staley with the Rams. I mean, there's a reason why those guys are getting a lot of buzz because people want to be the first to get to those guys. And I think a lot of the stories that I've read about them, I mean, both, Guys sound pretty exceptional. Both guys sound like, you know, they're good communicators. There's a reason they've moved up so quickly. Obviously, the leadership and all of those things are still a concern for me, but I get what you're saying. Hey, if you go in there the right way and treat those guys with respect, you'll probably be fine. You just don't know how somebody's going to do when they're that young and they get that kind of powerful position in the NFL. And we've seen it go wrong before with, you know, the Raiders getting Lane Kiffin. You know what I mean? So we've seen this. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels in Denver. Like, these are all situations where young guys got, you know, real power and didn't really know what to do with it and kind of can abuse it in some ways. So that's what you're afraid of with the young guys. But that's going to do it for the voicemail show. Thank you guys for everyone who called into the show. If you guys want to get on the show one more time, the number is 323-524-7924. And for tomorrow's show, We'll probably come back and do some season awards from this season, answer some of the biggest questions as far as, you know, some of the surprises that the Chargers had this year, who overachieved, who disappointed, stuff like that on tomorrow's show. So make sure to check back with us then. But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. Make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys check back in with us tomorrow for some end of season awards and talking about, you know, some of the really good seasons we saw from Chargers players this season. But we'll be back with you then. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.